Are you ready to tap into Web3's limitless potential? Consensus 2024 is the place to learn from the biggest brands and most influential creators, forging new ways to connect with customers. Brands like Adidas, Coachella, MoMA, Rediverse Studios, Animoca Brands and more will share strategies and tips at Consensus this year. Broaden your horizons on emerging tech with all-day summits delving into the most pressing questions facing the industry today. From AI to immersive worlds, to gaming, to tokenization and everything in between. Artists, brands and tech evangelists eager to shape the internet's future will find their tribe at consensus. And listeners can use the discount code CMO Stories for 15% of their registration. See also the show notes and the podcast episode description. I would explain in a very web two way. You are not a, a crypto native uh, user. I'm telling you that we are building an investment fund where you can actually uh, deposit or put your money in and enjoy returns on an ex monthly basis. You get interest back, uh, and at the same time, you're building a marketplace where you can trade your assets. Hello everyone and welcome to the Web3 CMO Stories podcast. My name is Yuri Bilast and I'm your podcast host. And today I'm joined by Alessandro Vene. Happy to be here, Drew, Yuri. Thanks for yeah. having me here. <laughs> the names, it's always a, a challenge how yeah. to pronounce them. I hope I did it well. Alessandro, welcome. Let me introduce you for people that uh, don't know who you are or your background. Guys, Alessandro is a seasoned executive with extensive IT, F&B and digital ex advertising experience. He has held uh, senior roles in various companies for public listed companies and Web3 startups. Notably, he achieved two successful startup exits, pioneering data-driven marketing for global F&B brands like Barilla, Nestle, Tesco and renowned wine brands. Since 2017, Alessandro has been actively collaborating with Web3 companies such as Immunify and Yellow and been mentoring Web3 startups. Currently, he's the Chief Business Development Officer of Trader Society, actually. That's a blockchain-powered ecosystem at the forefront of on-chain real-world assets investment. Well, Alessandro, you've really been busy and your project actually attracted uh, my attention. So, Explain a bit more eh, about the project or what is SellerDAO and, and how what has Web3 technologies to do with it. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, having me, first of all. Uh, it's great pleasure. We've been trying to catch up for a while, so finally we made it. So SellerDAO Society, it's actually an entirely new ecosystem that is currently composed of an investment fund, which is our DAO, SellerDAO.io. It's a community-led investment fund, which basically democratizes the access to wine and spirits investments. So basically, in, in short, what we do at SellerDAO, we are investing in rare and prestigious wines and spirits as real-world assets. So basically, 
our project is entirely uh, backed by and what we do is basically we tokenize these assets and put them on chain and that's actually the second part of our project it's going to be an nft tokenizing platform marketplace where it's going to provide not just the exit for our under asset under management from Celada, but also we will vet wine, top wine and top spirits maker to basically deploy their assets onto our marketplace. So it consists basically in two different projects. One is being launched and the other one is going to be, let's say on testnet in one month and a half, more or less. Well. But I, li I like the fact how you combine real life assets of real world assets, something like wine, everyone, lots of people like wine, I like wine, and then you combine this with the advantages of NFTs because it's not so so easy these days. NFTs, there was like this hype with people sell, buying and selling NFTs. You really have a real life product and NFTs help with that given added value. Of course, there are lots of other things, not wine, but other things that could be linked to Web3 or could be tokenized. Can you maybe uh, give some lessons learned or some advice if other type of businesses would like to do something like that? Yeah, definitely. Of course, RWA, as we call it, or real world assets, it's going to be like 30 trillion that's projected, 30 billion dollar industry by 2030, according to a Boston Consulting report and not just. The thing is that the power, basically tokenizing assets and putting them on chain, it just doesn't provide more liquidity, like 24-7 market mm -hmm. liquidity, but also provides features such as, in our case, for instance, wine, but that could be for real estate or TVs or treasury bonds, for instance proof of authenticity, proof of provenance, in our case, even having parts, if not all, the supply chain on chain would basically give a better, not just understanding of the product, but also fights the counterfeited products, which is absolutely mm. relevant for instance, in industries like luxury industry, you could have watches industry. And this is, or we already seen that some big brands making leaps into blockchain because that's actually something that provides value and again, authenticity as to what you buying is actually real and it's not being counterfeited. So that's very relevant in our industry. Of course, you have many counterfeited wines that are like sort of mining the credibility of the markets. In our case, we are making it like more transparent and not correctable and all the, the pros of being on chain. So absolutely there's more than value and the having <clears throat> in the, in the back, the investment fund, which actually allows investors to uh, participate in market, which is normally very exclusive to a high net worth individuals or wealthy people actually tokenizing and fractionalizing the ownership would actually allow more people to uh, participate in this market. Not just wine connoisseurs, but also like people who are willing to have a stable return from what is considered one of the best alternative asset clouds that outperform traditional markets in the last past, in the past decade. So yeah, that's very exciting and very interesting. 
Yeah. So the audience is indeed like people are passionate by wine, but maybe don't have this big of budget to invest in, but they can like be able to, because it's tokenized, they can be with a small, let's say just because they're passionate, they can do it. It's not, they should be big investors to be investors like, like you with this with big build, big uh, buildings, for instance, who are tokenized here, it is wine and people. Everyone loves wine. <laughs> a lot of people love wine. Let's say it like that. I remember when I did a, a, a social media campaign for a company in Belgium. They said sold Italian wines, and this really worked well because that's not something like if you want to sell a product like accountancy, for instance, that wine is on the other side. Also, you explained. A bit, already a bit about that, but for startups, it's not always easy to get funding. And now today in the web three world, and then I even this morning I was approached by someone telling me that project run out of money and now they cannot do marketing anymore. And so you have a lot of experience in, in this space. Can you share some insights how in the early stages of a web three startup, or you can position yourself or, or to attract or to, I would say, increase the chances of attract capital? Uh, yes, absolutely. Well, first of all, I, I've been there like many going to projects that ran out of uh, cash, basically. And this, we all witnessed that, especially like during the crypto winter. We don't know exactly if this is a beginning of the bull run, but that doesn't really change much. What I normally advise startup founders, especially Web3, is to have a consistent go-to-market strategy and a reliable tokenomics that does not rely solely on the listing process, but actually the tokenomics has to basically provide consistent revenues. And this is where many uh, founders fail to see that basically the token is not just a means to raise capital, but it's a means actually to provide not just the utility, but actually provide revenues. Ocean Protocol, when they launched, they actually talked and explained a lot about tokenomics and how relevant is that in order to create this wet-free, sustainable business model. So I, I'm strong about that. Even when I was mentoring startups at Axel Venture, the Algorand Foundation, we were always stressing on that key element, which is called business plan. And the business, mm -hmm. whether it's Web2 or another startup, like nothing to do with Web3, but even in Web3, all the more it's relevant because it makes your project more sustainable, number one, and not heavily depending on fundraising. Now, how to make a project more attractive? As I said, GTM, go-to-market strategy is key. Of course, organic as much as possible. And you know, now, now the space is getting a little bit saturated. Mm -hmm. Now that we have a beginning of bull run, everyone is really excited and fighting for a, 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 a spot in the sun. And um, that is where you need to look for your audience. Uh, who's really interested in your product? Who's going to use your product? Are you going to address uh, web-free specific issues or is your product going to solve real world problems in our case for instance it's not just it's not just a product or uh, a marketplace or even an investment fund for web free native people we 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 want to expand actually we want to broaden the the audience and reach to web 2 and not just web 2 actually investors people so to do that it's very important that the product that you build is like an agnostic so it's transparent that it's just a means 
blockchain in our case is a means mm-hmm. to basically prove that the product is not counterfeited, for instance, but it's not the buzzword. Let's stop using buzzwords. Let's build products that have scope and solve problems in our case, having more people to enjoy this very different asset class. I love what you say that it's a means, like it's often with technology, people like to use these hypers, but most of the world doesn't have a clue about Web3 and so on. So if you need to explain that to your neighbor, who is probably not into Web3, how would you explain them what you are doing right now with SalarDAO in easy words? That's the best question that I'm receiving because we are actually testing as as we're talking. I'm onboarding, for instance, angel investors. When Web3 projects normally are looking at angel investors, they are looking at Web3 native people. They understand the nicks and necks of technology. In our case, we have that type of audience. We have those type of investors. And not just when I say investors, I'm talking also people who are generally interested in our cast token, for instance. We are talking to people that have no idea what a wallet is. They have no idea how to exactly participate into this web free project. To put in a better context, it's a learning curve and it's a steep learning curve because we need to adapt the lingo, not from web free, but actually to the average man in the streets that wants to buy just a bottle of wine or using NFTs and understand why that is better than buying from a Web2 platform that doesn't have traceability, for instance. We are adapting our language to make it less tech type of lingo and more solving the problem. That's that this way you are able to participate in this ecosystem. Again, this is not simple. As I'm saying, we are A-B testing different strategies at the moment. But as I said, we have different audiences. So we adapt our language to the specific audience that we are addressing. Yeah, it makes total sense. But if I would be with you like in an elevator, Alessandro, and I don't know Web3 and ask, oh, Alessandro, yeah. I'm Yuri. What are you doing with Salardao? How would you explain it to them? I would explain in a very Web2 way. You are not a, a crypto native uh, user. I'm telling you that we are building an investment fund where you can actually deposit or put your money in and enjoy returns on an X, let's say, quarterly basis. You get interest out of that. And at the same time, we are building a marketplace where you can trade your assets. That could be yours or that could be other type of assets like wine and spirits. Simple as that. And you can read in the products at your doorstep. Great, because you didn't use any like Web3 lingo now. So I like that. <laughs> it's not always, you know, easy because of the, I, I also try to avoid it when people, but when you yes. ask this to a tech guy, or they will always use complex words to explain a complex thing and then it stays complex. So I love how you did that. Now, there are also, you have also quite some experience, I would say, cross-culture. There are some differences too, of course. How do you see these culture dimensions playing a role in, yeah, in the adoption of Web3 and implementation of Web3 technologies? When I see DAOs, in particular the DAOs, as a means to basically put people together. I don't know if you read Balaji, a book and that is called The Network State. And it's, it's a must read, in my opinion. It's, of course, it's all about technology, but it's what we as human beings are going to be empowered by using this technology. And I think 
it's it's not just visionary, but it's uh, it's how we can actually solve social problems. I uh, a while ago I was writing about uh, what would have been the outcome of Brexit if Brexit would have been a DAO, uh, or actually the the referendum would have, would have been a DAO. Of course, there's no uh, answer to that, but putting different perspectives and cultures together in a more of a democratic way of participating into the specificness of the DAO. I think it's going to be something very exciting and culturally speaking, a blend of different cultures bringing their own uniqueness in, a, in an ecosystem. I find it absolutely interesting. I've been working and traveling, mainly working in many countries from Asia to Europe, and now I'm based in Europe again. And I can tell that when you are actually interacting with different cultures, you have so much more, not just to learn, but to, you know, grow as a human being. And this I see web free as, as a means actually, as a technological means to get together in different, in a very different fashion. Yeah. I love it. It seems like all these possibilities and indeed by traveling and seeing these different places and different people, Web3 opens up a lot of possibilities, also the community aspect and so on, which I love. But it's also interesting, Sandra, and more from a personal note, because you did already two successful exits and you are an entrepreneur with a lot of experience. Can you maybe share something that you've learned? Maybe from a failure or a setback or maybe something that has propelled your growth? And if it's been in Web3, even better, but I would like to, maybe you can share a lesson for our listeners. There's no such thing, in my opinion, as a successful startup founder. It's actually, you learn by doing. You wear many hats and you need to be ready to give up on lots of free time, especially when you have family around, you need to factor that in. You learn more, of course, like all humans, our reptilian brain. We learn more from failing than from success. You learn, as I said, by doing, and don't be shy in putting yourself in a learning curve. It's also exciting. Of course, you need to have your growth mindset. You need to keep yourself with openness and being totally open to failure. I've been lucky, actually, to exit two startups. It wasn't easy to build from, from the ground up. I decided to bootstrap the first one, whilst the second one was like more chasing VC money and public grants. There are no pros and cons. There are two different types of growth. What I've learned is that it's the people that you surround with that makes your startup successful rather than how better or how well is your startup capitalized since, since the So it's more important that you find yourself with like-minded people that can potential growth together. Yeah. And actually, that's now what I love also about Web3, like the community aspect is more and more present and people, because it's still a niche, you have like-minded people that you meet at conferences and so on, which I was already the case with when I was going to social media marketing, but now it's even more focused with that. And I see, yeah, with some people, it's like you mentioned it with the bear market and so on. Even I see the projects that are successful are those that have really a really business plan, something really tangible, like in your case, it can be wine. Any advice for people that are a bit more pessimistic right now, looking at, oh, where is the world now going to? 
is there still is Web three still a thing? Obviously, your FF your projects going on. Any advice or tips for people to stay on the positive side? <laughs> from from a builder or a startup founder perspective, stay away at the beginning from VC and stick to growth, organic growth and traction. That's your metric. That's your KPI. Stick to that. Of course, those KPIs need to be clear, but chasing a VC money, institutional money, it's a, it's a hard job, let alone if you use buzzwords like AI or blockchain. We can definitely be mistake. I'm an optimistic type of person, and I can see loads of our untapped potential by using blockchain and AI. I'm actually working on an R&D group about that, and it is Great, actually, to see that some decentralized storage or computing power companies are actually using that to propel, basically, growth for a purpose, though. Stick to those use, and it's going to be a success anyway. Even though you fail, it's going to be a, a personal success in terms of growth. From a customer perspective, no, I can't say much. Probably there's like less of a buzz talking about Web3. Everyone is all about AI, yeah. but it's not about technology. Again, it's about uh, solving real world problem as a customer, as a consumer, as an investor, just stick to those projects that they are really solving problems rather than filling decks with passports that are really, yeah. You just mentioned it, that AI is it's there. How are you now looking at maybe for your personal productivity or for Stellar DAO or maybe so for something else? Are you integrating AI now in your life professionally, maybe? Yes, I'm definitely using it. I've used different tools as in marketer and even operations as well. And sometimes even legal. We just like use the tools that we all know about not going to mention them but there are more tools actually mm -hmm. like i said i mentioned before decentralized storage and it's something very interesting and i'm already exploring that for seladao but also immunify the other company that i'm advising they both have different angles as to ai as a feature to integrate in their product offering especially immunify it's basically it's a healthcare platform that is basically using blockchain, gathering medical data from on field on specific disease like HIV and malaria, and using AI on top of that once you have gathered uh, enough data to basically supply meaningful outcomes from this huge, I call it database, but partly uh, going to be on chain. So definitely all the companies can explore AI in a sort of way, but data is king. And you need to make sure that the data that you're producing within your startup makes sense to output in some sort, in some form of AI. Uh, yeah. Yeah, indeed. And what I, okay, without mentioning everyone is, it's not like AI. That's a term that now everyone, everyone knows. It's not the same like with Web3, but all of these technologies come together and that's what makes it interesting to even offer better personalized experiences for the end customers. Alessandro, it was uh, really a pleasure to talk to you. If now people, they, they, you have so many, many things going on and they want to learn more about you or the things that you are doing, where would you like to send them? 
my LinkedIn profile and definitely you can reach out to me anytime. I'm quite active there. So yes, that will be the channel. The channel. Okay. You mentioned also a book, all of that. I will put them in the show notes. There is always an article, blog article with all the links so that people can follow up with you or follow up with, with, with Salarda or other stuff you have going on. So thanks, Alessandro. It was really a pleasure to have you. Same here, Joey. Yuri, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, again, an, yeah, an insightful episode today with Alessandro uh, about the organization and so on, all these possibilities uh, with really good tips. So if you think this is really useful for people around me, share it with them, share this episode with them, share the podcast with them. If you're not yet subscribed to our podcast, this is a really good moment to do this. And of course, I would like to see you back next time. Take care.